kale, beets, broccoli, kidney beans, raw carrots. What do these all have in common? They are, they are food and they are healthy foods. Now, I list these off and there's some of you are, some of you are salivating. I can hear some of you up there. Uh, just, cause you just like these things and, or you've got recipes, you've got special sauces. It's just, mwah, just wonderful. There's lots of us though that hear that list of food and say, well, that's okay, but I could still go for a pepperoni pizza is what I, I could go for. You know, for, for, for lots of us, uh, we, we sort of uh, hear about uh, healthy kinds of foods. And, and um, well, while some find it quite appetizing, there's, there's many that we don't find it particularly appetizing. We're not exactly salivating over a list of foods like that. Uh, someone has, some have said that if it tastes good, it's probably bad for you. And if it tastes bad, it's probably good for you. That might be a bit of an overstatement, but um, uh, some of you put together shakes that are consists of plants and vegetables and herbs. Normal people use ice cream and milk, and, and we get excited about that um, uh, be, because it just doesn't seem that a, appealing uh, to us. It doesn't really get our juices flowing. I'd suggest to you that sometimes the same can be said for the Word of God. I think a lot of people struggle getting into God's Word because sometimes we see it like certain kinds of healthy food. As it's probably good for me, but I, I don't desire it. I don't, don't have an appetite for it. Which is why I think it's really important for us to be mindful of and be reminded of or shown the benefits of being in the Bible. Because just as surely as there are benefits in eating healthy and there's serious real health benefits, so also, and even more so, uh, there are, are spiritual benefits for, uh, of being in God's Word. That, uh, that as, you, as you feast on that which is healthy, uh, you will become healthy. In fact, many of you who really like that list of, of not very appetizing foods that I just listed at the beginning of my message, the beets, the broccoli, and, and so on and so forth, there's some of you who would say, no, I love that food, but I didn't always love that food. It seems to sometimes when you start eating and consuming that which is healthy for you, you actually gain and cultivate a greater appetite for those things. And you probably notice too that the junk and the garbage you used to just have to have, it's not quite as appetizing as it used to be. I think the same thing happens with Scripture. The more that you and I do healthy spiritual eating the more that we will cultivate an, uh, an appetite for Scripture and be less satisfied with the junk that seems so satisfying and so appealing. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, we can talk about, about, about being in God's Word and we can talk about the importance of it, and lots of you are agreeing with me, but you still have the same problem, and that is, in your heart, lots of us don't hunger for it. We don't desire it like we know we should, like we wish we could. And I think that that's why our scripture text this morning is so precious for us. Because it calls us for sure to have a longing, to have a love for God's word. But it also speaks to us about why God's word is so lovely, about why it's so desirable, about what it is about it that should really whet your spiritual appetite. It doesn't tell us everything, but it tells us some things some of the benefits, some of the good things about being in the Bible, why it's desirable. And that's why I want to study it with you this morning. It's in 1 Peter, and it's in chapter 2. It's the first three verses of 1 Peter, 
chapter 2, and if you could turn there with me, that would be great. If you're using a pew Bible this morning, just reach out, grab hold of it. It's on page 1015 in that pew Bible, or find it on your phone. And uh, we will uh, look at this text together. The title of my sermon is A Call to Love God's Word. Last week it was a call to love your church family. Today it's a call to love the Scriptures. A call to love God's Word. As you know, we're in our study uh, through First Peter called Living Life saved by God. The reality is that we have a glorious salvation. The first part of Peter's letter was to highlight that. But then, really beginning at verse 13 of chapter 1 through to pretty much the whole rest of the book, he talks about how we ought to live in light of the fact that we have such a great salvation. It's like he's saying, listen, this world is difficult. This world is trying in so many ways. It's hard. These were persecuted, oppressed people, face many, many challenges, just like you face many, many trials in your life. And uh, so he reminds you, hey, listen, you have a glorious salvation and you can be rejoicing in that and all oh, that's such great news, but still leaves you wondering, but what do I do now? How, what do I do tomorrow on Monday? What do I do on Tuesday? How do I live this life? That's what Peter, Peter's letter is all about. How to live this life saved, saved by God. And you'll recall that, that to this point, he's talked about the importance of hopefulness. He's talked about the priority of holiness. And he's also taught us about having a healthy fear of God. And part of the outworking of that hopefulness, holiness, and healthy fear of God is loving your church family. And that's what we, we talked about last time. But today we're going to see a call to love the Word of God, to crave it, to long for it. Let's look at it, shall we? Second, for, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, here it is, long for the pure spiritual milk. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that's the Word of God he's talking about. The pure spiritual milk. Well, why should I long for it? I, I want pizza. I want Doritos. I don't want kale. I don't want cauliflower. I don't, cauliflower is actually not that great. Broccoli, right? Well, why? That... By it, that's by the milk, by the word, that by it, you may grow up into salvation. You see, it's good for you. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, may God bless the reading of his word. We can see the central exhortation here in this, in this passage, right? The, the central instructions right there in verse 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That phrase, long for the pure spiritual milk, that is the main emphasis, the main instruction in this passage. And so, so I just sort of put it this way. Every believer ought to desire God's Word. Every believer ought to desire God's Word. Or you could say every believer ought to crave for God's Word or long for God's Word or even want God's Word. I just use the word desire, okay? But, but it's the idea of, it's just like, I have to have this. I've, I've got to have this. Oh, other things have their place, but I've got to have the Word of God. He calls it the pure spiritual milk. 
Now, I've suggested to you it's the Word of God, and I say that uh, for several reasons. Um, uh, One is which, the main one is in the context. He's just at the end of chapter 1 been talking about the Word of God. In fact, he talked about the role of the Word of God in, in saving us that we heard the good news, the gospel, we heard the word of God, or the the word of God was shared with us, preached to us, uh, taught to us. We heard that word and something happened inside of us. We're, We're born again and we've got this new spiritual life now. So if you're a Christian, each of us have a different glory story, right? You know what I mean by glory story? Like a different story about how God saved you. And, you know, some of you, it was a friend. Some of you, you're reading a book. Some of you, you're in church or you're you're on the side of the road, maybe. Different ways that you got saved. But the same thing through all those stories is you heard the message about Jesus. You heard the word of God and you got new life in you. Well, he's been talking about that at the end of chapter one. Now what we see is there's just as you got new life from that word, now you're going to grow in that word. I'm getting ahead of myself, but you see, that's the transition he's making. In the context, the, he's been talking about the word of God. This is something that's pure. It's pure because it's from God. It's spiritual. It's not, it's not physical milk he's talking about. That, that's a picture he's using. It's spiritual. It's interesting. Psalm 19 says that God's word is pure and desirable. And so I, I think that Peter here quite clearly is, is uh, using a, a milk like for a newborn as a, picture of, as a picture of God's word. I love in Matthew 4 and 4, uh, Jesus speaks about the nourishment that the God's word provides. He, there he calls it bread. You mentioned not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the Father. And so it's, it's, uh, it's not uncommon to see scripture in scripture referred to as something that nourishes. I think that's what Peter's doing here. Notice he says we're to long for it, to crave it, we're, we're to want it. And did you see the picture? He uses the illustration he uses in verse 2. Like what? Like, like newborn infants, like newborn babies. Now, for some of you here, doesn't that take you back? And for some of you, you're, I mean, you're there right now or you're heading right into it. It's really something. I was thinking about this. It wasn't that long ago, right? We had newborns around, and I can still see these little, these little wee tiny blessings all riled up and crying <laughs> and turning red in the face and socks falling off their feet and all flailing and and you can you can do the route ooh and nothing satisfies so they go do you want your rattle do you or maybe you want the dog to come over and lick your toes does that make you happy or oh did you want to play do you want to sit in your little bouncy toy do you want to play with the ice cream truck what what is it what is it what do you want there's only one thing that they want, and you can still, it's an awesome thing. Where the baby disappears under the blanket that's draped over mom, and all of a sudden, the crying stops. And the baby relaxes. And you can hear that sucking sound. What's the baby got? The baby's got the only thing it wants. Oh, the rattle and the toy and the dog and that stuff. That stuff's fun sometimes. But there's certain times when, like, I've got to have this. I imagine Peter, probably with experience in dealing with newborns, just thought that he's writing about God's word. He's like, you, we ought to long for, we ought to want God's word like a newborn needs milk from its mother. That's, that's the picture he uses. So I just wonder, do you, do you have that kind of longing for, that kind of wanting for God's word? 
Have you, have you got to that place in your walk with the Lord when, when you, uh, on a regular basis, you just, you have to have it. I've got to have this. You, are you at a place in your journey with Jesus where if you go a day or maybe two days and you haven't been in the Bible, you find yourself spiritually hungry and there's like Netflix just doesn't do it, you know, video games just doesn't do it, a nice dinner just doesn't do it. You got a hunger inside of you that only one thing can satisfy. And it's hearing, it's reading, it's taking in the words of God. Peter says that we we ought to, we ought to long for it. We ought to desire it. And we are wise loved ones to ask the Lord to give to us. Uh, that kind of desire because it doesn't come naturally and it doesn't come easy and sometimes i'd say it doesn't come quickly either that's why we need to ask the lord for it we're wise to say lord would you work in me even right now to say lord would you give me that kind of desire like a newborn baby's only satisfied with mama's milk give me a heart that's only really satisfied when i hear from you we ought to long for God's word. That's what Peter says here. We ought to desire it. Uh, every believer ought to desire God's word. But the challenge, of course, as you know, is, is that that doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come easily. So I've suggested that you pray for it. But also we see in the text here, we see motivations for, for getting into it. We, we see uh, Peter highlights benefits of being in the Bible. He, he underscores for us uh, reasons for us to desire it. He, he kind of puts on display here some of the desirability of this pure spiritual milk, uh, the Word of God. And I've noted here three, uh, uh, three ways in which God's Word is desirable, or three, three reasons why uh, it, is, uh, it is something that we should want or long for. The first one is this. God's Word is desirable because it causes us to grow. God's Word is desirable because it causes us to grow. And I get that just right in verse 2 where we were, we were looking at, right? He says, like newborn infants, so I got that crying baby. What do they want? What does she want? Well, she longs for the milk, right? So like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, by the milk, by the word, you may grow up into salvation. God's word is desirable for us because it causes us to grow. I would suggest what Peter has in mind here is growing in Christian maturity, growing up in Christ, growing up in Christ likeness. You say, what does that mean? Well, when you grow up in Christ's likeness, your life produces the things that God wants His children to produce. It's called, often called in Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit who indwells you works in you to, to uh, produce in your life attitudes and actions and words and passions that are in line with God's will for you and what He wants for you, that really are reflections of Him and His character in all of your coming and going and all of your dealings. You say, well, how do you, how do you get to be like that? What, how does the Holy Spirit work in me to produce that? Well, He uses what? He uses God's Word. He, he takes God's Word and applies it to your heart and does good things in you. So, for example, even this morning, just talking about the God's Word uh, saying that we ought to desire... Um, the Word of God, even in reflecting on that, the Holy Spirit, for some of you right now in this room, is using that to say, he's so right, that's something I, I need to desire that. Some of you prayed that prayer, didn't you? You're like, Lord, give me that kind of desire. Why did you do that? You did it because the Holy Spirit in you is moving you to do it, 
to make you more and more like Jesus. And as you intake God's word, sitting under the preaching of God's word, receiving the teaching of God's word, reading God's word, memorizing God's word, being in it, what happens to you? Well, lots of things happen to you, but one thing for sure, you'll start to grow. You start to grow to be more and more like Jesus in your life, which is what God wants for you. He wants you to grow up in Christian maturity. He wants you to change, to be transformed into his likeness. Jesus said this, John chapter 17, verse 17, he prayed this prayer for his disciples. He said, he said to his father, sanctify them in the truth. And he said, what does sanctify mean? It means to be more and more like Jesus. It means to grow up in Christian maturity. He said, sanctify them in the truth. Well, what's the truth? Well, Jesus says, he says, your word is truth. So what's Jesus praying? He's praying that his disciples would grow in Christian maturity and that they would do it by the working of God's word. Or how about another verse from Peter in, in the second letter that we have from Peter, 2 Peter 3.18. Near the end of his letter, he wrote these words. He says to his readers, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, how are they going to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? Well, by being in his word, by hearing him. As we're in his word, we know more about him. We see more of his character. He speaks to us and we grow. Major problem in churches is believers whose growth is stunted because they starve themselves. Lots of people don't grow up in Jesus because they don't eat. I don't mean they don't eat physical food. I mean they don't eat the spiritual food that God's given us, His Word. And so what happens is that we, we don't grow. In fact, there's lots of times that there's Christians who have been believers, wonderfully, have been believers for a long time. And then there's believers who have been Christians for a short time. But the newborn believers have outgrown the old believers, not because there's something super special about them inherently, but because they're in God's Word. And they're reading it and they're intaking it and they're growing. You can, you can grow and grow and grow in this life in your knowledge of the Lord and in your fruitfulness and in your effectiveness as you're into God's word. That's why it's desirable. And really, brother, sister, don't you want that? Don't you want to be the woman, to be the man that God has created you to be? Don't you want to be that person who's equipped and effective and ready for mission? Don't you want to be a difference maker in this world for Jesus? Don't you want to know him? Like, know him. Like, really know him and walk with him and enjoy him and to be on purpose for him. Don't you want that? Well, how you get that in part is by eating, eating good food. So it's like step down the cheesies and take up the health food. You say, but the health food doesn't look good. It's a big, heavy book. And it's hard to understand. And the Doritos make me feel nice. I totally hear you. But the reality is, is once you start eating, you'll discover some things that it actually tastes better than your flesh told you it would. And once you start eating, you're just like, I gotta have some more of that. I got to have some more of that. And then you go through Wednesday, Wednesday goes sideways, you don't open it. By Thursday, you're like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for something. It's to hear from Jesus. 
And what happens is as you're in this word, you grow. You become more like him and your appetites are transformed. God's word is desirable because it causes us to grow. Secondly, God's word is desirable because by it we taste God's goodness. By it we taste God's goodness. A few minutes ago I went down this road and then realized I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me go back and repeat something I said a minute ago. Earlier we saw at the end of chapter 1 that the word of God plays a vital role in us being born again, becoming Christians. He talks about that. Verse 23, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And then he talks about the living and abiding word of God. And he says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. When you heard the good news about Jesus and believed, you tasted something about the goodness of God. You tasted that He's merciful, that He's gracious, that He loves you, that He's willing to forgive you. And when you first came into a relationship with Him, you tasted that God is good. Now as you grow in Him, and as you're in His Word, you keep on tasting the goodness of the Lord. When you're listening to Him, when you're you're hearing what He says, when you've got yourself invested in this book, you are tasting again and again and again the goodness of God. And He fills your heart with Him. One preacher put it this way, reflecting on this passage, he said, the taste of the milk is the goodness of the Lord. You say, what does this spiritual milk taste like? I know what milk tastes like. But what does the spiritual milk taste like? When you taste it, it tastes like this. God is good. That's what it tastes like. The challenge, of course, for you and me is that we got to taste it. We got to drink it. I brought with me a little object lesson. I think you'll like this. I got it with me here in a bag so it doesn't make a mess. And uh, I pulled it out of the fridge here this morning. Now, it doesn't look like much because it came in a can. And once we'd opened the can, I had to put it in the container. It'd be a much more powerful illustration. I've added one of those fancy bottles that comes in in the store. But we're not that fancy. So here we go. Now you look at this. You say, is that motor oil? No, it's not motor oil. He was in the fridge. Uh, this is, anybody want to guess what this is? It is not soy sauce. It's what? It's what? Balsamic vinegar. Oh, that's interesting. No, it's not that. It's not that. That's a good guess, though. I like that. I like balsamic vinegar. What do you think? I'll give you a hint. Sorry? Maple syrup. That's right. How did he know that? Because the kid saw it in the fridge. Right? That's why. That's right. It's maple syrup. I know it's in an ugly container, but again, what are you going to do? So I brought this, one, because, I mean, this is Canadian, isn't it? it this is Canadian. And two, um, uh, let me ask you this. What does it taste like? It tastes very sweet, doesn't it? It tastes very sweet. I mean, you just put one one little bit of this on anything you're eating, oatmeal, even just your forget food, just put it on your finger and stick it and it is sensational. Now let me ask you, how do you know that it tastes good? Because you tried it, because experience. That's right. You because you tasted it, right? Sort of like this. I was I was uh, hanging out with uh, one of our one of our um, members of our church who's newer to Canada, and uh, we were just hanging out and we were eating some unhealthy food together. And uh, uh, one of the things we were consuming uh, that was on the on the menu that day was poutine, and uh, you know the, the fries and, and gravy and cheese curds. I mean to die for. I mean it'll kill you if you eat too much of it. But anyway, 
he was eating it, and he said to me, he's like, I'd always heard, people would always talk about poutine in Canada. And he's like, so when we, you know, when we came here, I got some, and then I tasted it. And he just went like, oh. I'm like, I know, I know, isn't it awesome? Same thing with syrup, right? I mean, you know it tastes really good because you've tasted it. And um, I'm just going to make you jealous here. I, I'm going to ruin my Bible and everything and all this, but look, check this out. Like, Oh, my goodness. That's insane. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. What's the point? This does not taste good in the container in the fridge. Neither does this on your shelf. Right? It's one thing for somebody to tell you maple syrup tastes good. But once you eat it, you're like, oh, that tastes good. Same thing with God's Word. Preacher stands up here every Sunday and proclaims the glory of God and the goodness of God from this book, and you taste some of that. But if you don't be if you're not in God's Word, if you don't listen to God's Word, if you don't read God's Word, you're missing out on a great benefit. There is a vast difference between somebody telling you the Bible is sweet, between you between that and you finding and tasting its sweetness. Will you taste the book? Will you drink it? Will you consume it? You consume it in lots of ways. You cons- you're consuming it right now. Right? I think one. I I think in Peter's context, I would argue that one of the major ways that he envisioned the people longing for the pure spiritual milk was by being at church and hearing it preached, and hearing it read, and he's encouraging them that longing for that. So, so he's like, look for that, look for that, knowing that, knowing that it will grow you and knowing that when you hear it, when you read it, when you memorize it, when you learn it, when you study it, when you it's, take time in it, you are tasting the goodness of God when he speaks to you. That's my challenge to you, loved one, is to be in the Bible, to read it, to, to learn it, to talk about it, to share it one with another. God's word is desirable because by it we taste God's goodness. That's the second thing. Now the third thing is this. God's word is desirable because it is how we change. It's a means by which we change. It's one of the ways it enables us to change. It's it's God's tool for transforming you. God's word is desirable because it enables us to change. I get this by thinking about verse 1 and how it relates to verse 2 and 3. You notice in verse 1 it says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So there's something I'm to put away. Most of those are sinful desires. Right? I mean, to be malicious, you want to hurt people. To be deceitful, you you lie to people for your own advantage. To be hypocritical, you conceal the truth and you present a false front to people, usually to take advantage of them. When you're envious, remember we talked about envy last week, right? It's it's like you being happy makes me miserable. I wish you had less, then I'd be more happy. I mean, that's, that's there in lots of us, but we need to put it away. 
Slander is, while it's a behavior, we start saying things to act out on what we're feeling inside. God's word is desirable because it's how we change. What sometimes is desirable, we have these desires in us that are sinful. But then Peter says, but like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So I observe that where one is strong, the other is weak. Where one is weak, the other is strong. If you want to overcome those sinful passions, like envy, like being deceptive, like being malicious, if you want to change, then what you do is you need to get that superior passion that will supplant that. When you taste more of the goodness of the Lord, the sinful desires, the sinful behaviors become less, less appetizing. It's like this. When I taste of God's goodness, then the other things like revenge, they say revenge is sweet, right? Revenge is sweet. Doesn't it feel good when you get back at somebody? Just like, yeah, yeah. Oh, good morning, brother, sister, right? They say revenge is sweet. But listen, when you know more and more of the sweetness of God, revenge is less and less sweet. I think that's the relationship here. If you want to change, then you get involved in the change agent, and it will change you at the level of your desires. That's why he says in verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You've tasted the goodness of the Lord, right? You've tasted that. And that taste has changed you. And because it's changed you in the inside, now the call is to be changed on the outside. How do I change on the outside? How do I change when my desires are so contrary sometimes to what God wants? You get involved in His change agent. The Word of God is able to change you. Notice that the command to take action comes subsequent to what God has already performed in us. You notice that? So the end of chapter 1, we're born again. Now beginning of chapter 2, he says, So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy. So I'm not changing so that God will accept me. I'm changing because God has accepted me. And tasting of his goodness, I want more and more of him. And less and less of the junk that gets in the way. You see? Notice also that the desire is not only to put away things, but to put on things. Back in verse 22 of chapter 1, we were told to love one another. And to love one another, therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, there's things we've got to put away. But again, how do I do that? I need help. Let me pull it together for you in this way. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, in verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So Scripture, this pure spiritual milk, teaches us, teaches us about God and His will for us and His character. It rebukes us, shows us our error, it corrects us, gets us going on the right path. This is the way for you. This is the way to go. And, and it, it changes us, it equips us, it readies us to serve God. You see, it works in as God uses His Word to transform us and to make us into the people that He saved us to be. That's how He empowers us. You say, how do I overcome these feelings that I have? I, maybe it's bitterness in your heart or, or unforgiveness. I mean, maybe, maybe you hate people. And I don't mean that to be glib. I mean, you just, you just realize, I don't like people. I'm always annoyed. I'm always irritable. How do I break free from that? Well, God's Word is able to, to break you free from that. When you taste of the goodness of God to you, 
and you bask in his goodness and you feed yourself you're going to grow and as you grow you're going to change and god will change you at the level of your desires and on a practical level in terms of what you do this is why god's word is desirable because it's how he changes us he enables us to be the people that he wants us to be so these three things god's word is desirable because it causes us to grow by it we taste god's goodness and thirdly it enables us to change so what's the bottom line this morning the bottom line loved ones brothers sisters be in the bible be in the bible make it by god's grace as a church let's make it as essential to us as breakfast lunch or dinner okay i was going to say breakfast but there's a bunch of you that say i don't do breakfast so never mind breakfast you probably ought to eat at least one of those meals in the day make it as important as essential i've got to have it just like i i got to eat okay i don't know you can tell that too but i i got to eat i got to eat breakfast i got to eat lunch i got to eat dinner and i got to eat snacks in between because if i don't there's something in my chemistry and i get irritable and cranky and tired and and i'm not a good pastor i'm not a good husband i'm not a good canadian citizen okay and and so look i got to eat and uh, and you got to eat too maybe not as much as i do but but we all got to eat as important as it is for you to eat and to drink see the scripture in a similar light i need this too just as much for my life and for my growth be in the bible you say well how do, how do i get into the bible well i think one is you reflect on what we've said this morning to recognize to see its desirability to see something of what it will do for me and by the way this isn't all that the bible will do for you i'm just looking at this text okay that's what i'm doing i'm just what does this say what does it mean and what does it look like for us that's all i'm doing this paragraph but the bible is filled with benefits of being in it i would encourage you to reflect upon this passage and look for its desirability and say lord help me to want this because i can't want it like i should on my own <laughs> i've tried but i need the lord to help me start there secondly i would get really practical okay i love practicality and i put down here three things that you need and i've shared these with you before but i'm just saying it again by way of reminder because if you're like me you forget i think you need a plan you need a place and you need a pattern plan place pattern you need a plan if you're going to be in the bible if you're going to be on a good diet of being in scripture you need a plan in terms of what are you going to read i find that i don't do well if i just sit down and say pastor says i need a drink deep of this book and just what am i going to read i find i waste time figuring out what should i read and maybe i should pray about it no you you need a plan for it well, pray about it but plan for it what am I going to read? You say, where do I find a plan? There's this awesome thing called Google. And type in their Bible reading plans. And you'll have more you'll you'll be overwhelmed with the number of plans. There's the Uversion app on your phone, right? There's a gazillion plans in there. Or even just make your own. Talk to another believer. Say, Do you got a Bible reading plan? And if they say no, they say, Well, come with me, we'll find someone who does, and we'll get theirs, okay? But but come up with a plan. What am I going to read this week? When Monday morning comes, this day, if it, that, what, what am I going to read today? What am I going to read Tuesday? What am I going to read Wednesday? Have a plan. Second thing I think is important is to have a place. A place and a time. Where and when are you going to be in the Bible? Is there a quiet place that you can be in your home or in your apartment? 
Maybe you say, no, I got, I got five roommates and it's all just craziness there. Okay, then where can you go just to have a few, a few minutes, to have a little bit of time where you can just be you and the Lord? Have a place and a time. When are you going to do this? For lots of you, you find the best time to be in God's Word is first thing in the morning. But the reality is that for some of us, that just doesn't work. Your shift work is such that you're still at work first thing in the morning, right? And so all I'd say, I don't want you to feel bound by some law, like if I don't read my Bible before nine, I'm a bad Christian. No, that's, that's pharisaical nonsense. What you need is to find a time that's going to work for you. But I find, though, if I don't plan to do it, then I often don't do it. So when are you going to read your Bible? If Monday is different than Thursday, then when are you going to be in the Bible on Monday and Thursday? Think about it, okay? So have a place, have a plan, have a place and time. Finally, have a pattern. There's lots that I could say about that and maybe should, but for this morning to close, I'll just, just leave you with this. I, what I mean by a pattern is a pattern for studying it, a pattern for reading it, a pattern for learning it. I think a very, very simple way of beginning to read your Bible personally and meaningfully is to ask yourself three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And how should I respond? What does it say? I mean, read it. Like, look at it. What does it say? What does that mean? What does it mean? And for some of you, you've found it's really helpful sometimes to have a study Bible. Or, or maybe, maybe we've taught on it here, and you, and you have extra time, and you might go back and listen to that message. Or, or may, maybe you're, you're stumped, and you're like, I'm not sure what this means. I'm going to find out maybe later. But, but, uh, but you, what, what, does it, what does it say? What does it mean? But then, essentially, too, how am I going to respond? If God is speaking to me here and I'm tasting the goodness of the Lord, how shall I respond? Is there a sin here for me to confess? Is there a praise here for me to offer? Is there thanks to be given? Is there an action for me to take? Is there something about God that I need to understand that maybe I haven't been understanding or I've been overlooking? Is there a perspective or an outlook that I'm to take here? Is there an attitude in me that needs to be addressed? The question is, how shall I respond to this passage? What are you going to do in light of what God is saying? Okay, so, so have a plan, have a place, and have a pattern. What does it say? What does it mean? How shall I respond? Loved ones, will you respond to that challenge and be in the Bible? Will you, will you eat this week? Will you commit yourself today to a healthy diet of Bible intake. Let's take a moment and to pray about this as Mazin and his team come forward. Let's just take a moment and just pray about this. This is a spiritual battle. The devil, as you take steps, is going to work overtime to get you into anything and everything, even good things. Some of you will sit down to read your Bible tomorrow and you'll notice something you've never noticed before, that there's dust on those blinds and they ought to be dusted before your company comes over. The dog will be unusually affectionate toward you. The phone will ring. The email chime will go off. Or you'll just, you just won't feel like it. The flesh and the devil will conspire against you to take action on this. So let's talk to the Lord about it. Lord, this is your word, and your word is so clear about the goodness of drinking pure spiritual milk. Would you please, Lord, give to us this desire that you call us to have? We trust you, Lord. Even in reading this, in preaching this, in considering this, we trust you to create what you command in us. 
to give to us desires, Lord. We trust you and we, we need you, Lord. We're counting on you to do it. And Lord, would you help us to be a church that's about this book, to be in the Bible, to love your word so much that we don't just love having it, but we love being in it. Because in it, we're hearing you. Oh Lord, would you persuade us of the benefits? Would you help us, Lord, to grow in the discipline of hearing your voice, of listening to your voice? And oh, we pray for fruit abundant fruit as we your church taste of your goodness in christ's name amen